Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
lovely goal from the moment he left Willacott's boot to the little side flick from Chuksaneke into the path of Blackett Taylor. His ball across finds probably the smallest man in the pitch at the moment, rising to head the ball home, Jack Payne. What a quality goal to round off. Well, it's going to be Nombe with the penalty. Strikes it down to Willacott's left. Wants to have a goal back. And, 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 and the best thing, Tell, is that it, it's immaterial. So I'd rather a penalty was given tonight than maybe in a tight game. Partridge inside to Collins. And that is the full-time whistle. One of the eventful games this one's been. So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is, well officially it's the big match preview but the game we're previewing isn't until next Monday so it's a bit of a look back as well at the win over Exeter. My name is uh, Louis Mendes, hope you guys are well. Joining me uh, on this week's show then to look back at that win over Exeter and ahead to Monday's game uh, with Portsmouth. Uh, first up Mr Lewis Carr, how are you Lou? Yeah I'm alright mate, thank you, how are you? Yeah not too bad, buzzing off the back of a, a first win in nine, a much needed win. Yeah, very much needed, wasn't it? Very, very, very nice change after after so many games without one. So yeah, mm. yeah, was happy coming out of the valley on Tuesday. Yeah, that does make a nice change. Also joining us here uh, on Charlton Live is Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Very good, thank you. Yeah, all good. Yeah, you managed to find your way to the valley on Tuesday. Just about. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like I've got a bit of a reputation as a fair weather fan, especially as we now won a game. But I did obviously do a couple of the. the uh, the long away days so I feel like I've done my bit so far yeah. this season but yeah, yeah that was well, much nicer wasn't it on Tuesday night yeah it's uh, certainly a nice surprise uh, so we'll, uh, we've just heard the goals from that win uh, over Exeter we'll look back at that game we're going to hear the post-match reaction uh, from Ben Garner also going to hear of course from the main man uh, Chuksanike finally made his first appearance uh, of the season off the bench and you know what he scored within two minutes as he always seems to do um, so we'll hear from Chooks later on. We're going to hear from one of the women's team's players as well, Heidi Logan, uh, telling us all about trying to juggle uh, full-time professional football with uh, university. Uh, and then, of course, we shall look ahead to that big game uh, with Portsmouth that's coming up uh, on Monday evening, Sky TV game. Uh, so a bit of a long run-up to it, but plenty of time to look ahead to it uh, as well. So, um, Lewis, we heard the goals there from the win against uh, Exeter City. First win in nine, as we said. Uh, first time we've scored uh, more than one goal in a game since uh, that 5-1 win over Plymouth. As a lot of people have pointed out, we're really good on a Tuesday night at home against teams from Devon. Um, but yeah, a, a relief. A relief, I think, was my, uh, my my main emotion at full time, even though it wasn't, it wasn't that tight in the end. There were spells in the game where we were under a bit of, the, bit of cosh, but we were clinical and we had a bit of luck as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think, you know, the performance as a whole was was much better. Um, we did still have those nervy spells, but I thought we came out at the start of the game and I thought in that first half we were we were really good. Um it was I thought it was a great goal from Miles as well. I thought he was absolutely outstanding up until he went off. Um I'm hoping his injury's not too bad because I thought he played really, really well. And we just looked a little bit more structured. People seemed to know what the jobs were. I thought um defensively, I thought um, Ryan Anissa and Owen O'Connell looked a little bit more, little bit more uh, stable, if you like. Um, I thought I thought the wing backs had a good game as well. I think there were there were quite a few key performers really, but it just felt a little bit more like a structured performance. And after seeing maybe a little bit of a disappointing uh, game on Saturday up at Lincoln in that four four two, to come out unchanged really and play, uh, you know, much better and much differently and 
with a bit more confidence. It was it was really nice to see. It was nice to see a reaction, um, and it was nice to see that system work as well because I think it made players like like Jaden look look a little bit more involved. Um, we won't talk about his claim for the goal because that was that was hilarious, but. Um, I thought his overall game was was much better um, on Tuesday, and yeah, I came out of the valley feeling feeling really happy with not just the result, but the, the performance as a whole. Really, mm, yeah. After seeing the replay of that second goal, if Jaden's claiming it, I might throw my hat into the ring as well and, and stake a claim. Um, it, it's a relief, um, but I mean, it's it's nice that we we, we stuck with a formation that you know we, we looked at that game on on Saturday, Tom and. Only one shot on target, but it does feel like we know we're probably going to get the best out of Jaden Stockley when there's a second striker alongside him, and it certainly helps when it's a second striker like Miles Leeburn. Who I just feel like even even on Tuesday, it feels like he's come on leap leaps and bounds since the start of the season. Like I feel like he's become a more all rounded player. Some some of those things I was worried about from him early on in the season, like in terms of his overall play rather than just a goal scorer. And I feel like he's getting involved more now. Uh, I feel like he's more of a presence up top, especially, again, when he's alongside Stockley. They can cause a bit of havoc there. Um, and he scored an excellent, excellent goal to get us going. He had a bit of luck with a deflection, but actually the run he made, the ball over the top from George Dobson to spot him, uh, the, the close control, the composure to cut in on his right foot. And he did drill towards goal, and it was certainly looking on target. Whether the keeper would have had it, I'm not sure. Uh, and the touch took it away from him, but he, he did everything quite right, and and was certainly deserved of that of that goal that he got there to to get the the scoring up and running. Yeah, I think you've basically just taken away everything I was going to say about that. To be honest, I thought particularly the composure piece that you mentioned when he he had the chance to shoot, he just took that pause, let the uh, defender make his decision, open that space up, and found the corner. And uh, I, I completely agree with you. I I still think there is that that piece around him being too exposed as a youngster to too many games. But actually, as you say, with Stockley alongside him, he's not got all the reliability on himself. And to give him his credit, he is standing up to that challenge and standing up to that pressure very, very well. Um, you know, combined with the pressure of, of who his dad was at the club as well, it could be very easy for him to crumble, but I don't think he is. Um, and obviously that's pleasing. Combined with Chuck's coming back, obviously there is a little bit of flexibility up there. And to kind of echo and build on what Lewis said, I think, or it might have been you said earlier about the, the consistency. I think uh, I've been calling for a little while across consistency in that back four, but I think the the point more generally about sticking with a formation for two games in a row, sticking. I don't know if we were completely unchanged, but certainly largely with for, with the personnel as well. That's what we need now. Uh, you know, we've spoken a lot about was that Plymouth game an outlier, or was that what we we should expect week in week out. And at the moment, it still sits with an outlier, even with Tuesday night in mind. But that game and this game prove that that is what this squad is capable of. I think they just need a little bit of a run. And I don't think it's been easy to get that run when you're chopping and changing formations and chopping and changing personnel. But maybe that's just Ben Garner finding out what his best eleven is. And maybe we're getting a little bit closer to that now because we are 12, 13 games into the season. It feels like you know we're, we're getting to quarter. We might even just be over quarter of the way through. But in terms of him at Charlton, that's still very early in his time here. And it feels like we're starting to turn. I don't think one result is enough to say, right, we're going to be fine now. But performances haven't been too bad. There's certainly been spells in every game where we've looked okay, apart from one or two. Uh, we haven't lost a lot of games either. They have been draws. And if we can start to turn those draws into wins, we're still only four points or five points off the playoffs. I'm not saying we're going to get there for sure, but it, it's not out of the question. And that... 
performance Tuesday was certainly encouraging and a step towards the right direction. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the point averages for the playoffs in, in a little while. Um, but, I mean, Ben spoke on, on Saturday, Lewis, after that draw up at Lincoln about the the fact he was able to play two strikers on Saturday. Um, I think, I guess he knew at the back of his mind Anike was likely to be back for the next game. So it was it was worth the risk on Saturday. And, you know, we, we I think we got 90 minutes out of both Stockley and, and Leeburn, if I remember rightly, or certainly close to it up at Lincoln. Um, the, the fact now that we've possibly lost Miles, and I haven't heard any, any further from... Uh, what we'll hear from from Benny in a few moments' time, but I, I'm certainly would have gone for a scan either Tuesday night, Wednesday morning to see where we are with that. It didn't look great, if we're being honest, when he came off. Um, that that could actually, unfortunately, be the catalyst to us all of a sudden finding a formation that works for the likes of Stockley, works for you know the team on as a whole, and then and it's being taken away from us almost immediately because we don't really have a second striker that will play alongside Jaden, and unless it's Chuck starting, which it won't be because we know Chucks can't start games. Certainly at this at this stage of his comeback. So it could be a bit of a double-edged sword there that we finally found the shape that works for us and it's been yanked away almost straight away. Yeah, it's very much our luck, isn't it? Um, you know, obviously keeping everything crossed. I haven't heard anything about about Miles really since Tuesday. I don't know, you're probably going off for a scan, but fingers crossed it wasn't wasn't as serious as it did look. You know, like you say, it didn't look great. Um, you see him limping off, especially after such a strong performance. I thought he was, he was outstanding. Standing on Tuesday night, I thought he had the the extra defenders on on toast all game. Like, and I said it on Sunday's show, like he has this ability to make something from nothing, and his sort of like drive and determination to do that leads to chances for us. And sometimes something looks like it might be gone or or whatever, and he comes along and and makes something of it. Um, it's so important, and at that age to have that drive and sort of that maturity in his game to not give up on loose passes, not give up on on loose chances and, and passes and things like that. He he does seem, you know, really mature and level-headed. And, and we speak about the pressure and, and I agree with Tom that, you know, he is still 18 and, and I don't I don't like the, the pressure on him all the time. But he seems to be thriving on it at the moment. You know, he seems to be, you know, making that role his own. Um, but yeah, you know, it would be a real a real sort of gut-wrencher if, if now he's going to have a spell on the sidelines just as we get Chucks back. Because uh, as you say, the stage of, this, of his recovery, he's not going to be starting games. And if Miles is injured, there's no way we're going to be starting a, as a four-four-two against Portsmouth Monday night because we haven't got the personnel to do so. And unless he pulled one of the wide players in to play alongside Stockley, like we've seen Raksaki play up there um, at Fleetwood. But yeah, I, I mean, it, I'm hoping, I'm keeping everything crossed that it's not serious because I think now you know that mix of those three is good. If, if you're getting minutes out of Stockley and, and Lieburn, whilst Chucks builds up that fitness uh, throughout his recovery, you know, it was 10 minutes on, on Tuesday night, it could be 20 minutes next time or, or whatever. Um, I think it's about managing Chucks back in, obviously, because of his injury record. But um, to do that, we, we need all our options fit and we need we need them all, you know, all sort of raring to go and, and, and healthy. And so far, you know, we saw it Tuesday, we reaped the benefits of finally having three strikers available for selection and, and potentially one of those could be out already. So... Uh, let's just keep everything crossed that that Miles's injury isn't serious and, and he's back as soon as possible um, because I think at the moment it, it, he's critical for us uh, and at 18 years of age I think he, he should be really proud of his achievements so far this season 
Mm, yeah, certainly. Um, we mentioned the stock, the, the not Stockley car, unfortunately, Tom. But again, it, from where we, I was sitting in the press box, I, I assumed he got ahead onto it. And then it took a deflection and went in. But looking back at the replay, I don't think he he touched it. But he certainly had the goal to claim it, celebrate in front of his uh, his former sides fans as well. I don't think there's any uh, any bad blood between Stockley and the Exeter fans. He seemed to clap him as he went off uh, later on in the game. But it, I'll take it as an encouragement that we put a cross in to an area where Stockley just about was and ended up going into the goal. So again, when, when we scored that goal against uh, against Oxford, I, I, I think I said, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we actually had too many headed opportunities inside the six-yard box. Well, that that's another one we've created now. They're, they're coming in these home games, which which has got to be something to, to write home about. Yeah, and I was actually about to, to reference that same point that you made after that game, because um, when you said it, there was one I could think of quite early on in the season at home when he was kind of midway through the six-yard box and headed straight at the keeper. Maybe one other, but as I say, right at the start of the season. And that was the only one really where I was like, he should be burying that. And that was around the time where people were questioning the one up top and questioning whether he was the right man up there. So, yeah, I'm pleased with how that has started to turn around. Obviously, I would rather he was on the score sheet, but ultimately, if we're going to score four home goals, uh, sorry, four goals every home game, I don't really care whether Jaden scores any of them or not. Um, I'm sure he does. And obviously you want a, a scorer confident and informed. But I, I thought he had a good game again on, on Tuesday. I thought he, he brought others into play. I think, as we said earlier, him and Miles have a nice relationship forming there and, and they're building a nice partnership. Let's hope that can continue once we know what the injury status is. But yeah, he's still a very important player for us. And I think what we're learning again is something we we kind of already knew that he suits a two. I I just don't think it works with him up front uh, on his own. And in the four four two, that's the first time I've seen us play four four two. I think this season, certainly for a full game, and you do see the difference of of the wide men maybe not having quite the space that they do. You also see the potential risk of only two in the midfield. Um, but I think largely that does work, and I think with the players we've got. I think it it probably lends itself to suggesting we need to strengthen a couple of areas. But on the whole, I think it's probably the way we're going to have to play. And I also think with that formation, having two natural fullbacks makes such a huge difference because it gives the players in front of them a little bit more license to go forward, knowing that they've got the the uh, the two fullbacks in Sessegnon and Egbo there who who know what they're doing maybe a little bit more um, than the players that had been playing there previously. So. There's a there's a nice balance in that in that team. I think obviously we did still concede two goals, and as you both said, there were periods of the game where Exeter did get back into it. But I never felt particularly concerned. It always felt like the game was going our way, and uh, yeah, it's for me about the consistency we need to try and maintain now, both in personnel and formation. Mm, well, see, see, I disagree with you about it always feeling like the game was going our way. I mean, Exeter certainly had spells. Um, when they, they, their their goal was was out of nothing, uh, Stano for them, you know, great story with with, with the uh, the son of uh, Adam Stansfield, Jay now playing on loan for Exeter uh, and, and scoring goals and scoring a great goal at the Valley actually. But I, they, they, I felt like they had something about them going forward without perhaps creating too much in the first half. Second half again, I thought we started really well, um, got a few crosses in, but then again they they started having a spell. They had that chance where it just came off the crossbar. So um. Whilst the scoreline in the end, I'd probably say if it four if it was four one, I'd say it certainly flattered us. I'd, I'd say four two, 
maybe a little bit closer to where it could have been. If, if we'd won by the odd goal, I don't think that would have been enough. So 4-2, probably probably about right. But they, they certainly looked dangerous at times, uh, Exeter. And, and we rode our luck on a couple of occasions. But also, I don't know, well, well, they scored twice, but I actually thought defensively we looked a little bit better than, 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 than we have done at times. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think, um, as I said at the start of the show, really, I thought O'Connell and Innes looked much more comfortable. I thought Egbo was, was really good. I thought he had a really good game. Um, I mean, but you take the goals away from it. I mean, the penalty, the penalty was um, was a bit bizarre. Watch, watching it back, you couldn't really see it. It, took, it felt like it took ages for him to give it. But um, on seeing it back, it was a bit of a bit of a shunt by by Chucks. And we've seen that in him before. Like he can be a little bit clumsy um, with that sort of stuff. But yeah, the the, the Stano goal was was incredible. Um, you know, a, a really good strike. Um, and then the penalty. You take those two things out of the game and, and we really I thought our goals were, were well deserved and I thought we just looked much better and I agree that the Exeter had spells uh, especially sort of in the middle of that second half before maybe we made those changes where we needed to freshen it up a little bit um, I was in, I was really impressed with with their right back I think it was Jake, Jake uh, Caprice I thought he looked quite dangerous and fast going forward but I thought we dealt with him quite well um, and Giovanni Brown, I thought played well for them as well. Um, but we dealt, we dealt with the threats. You know, we dealt with the threats, and that that's really a, you know a tip in the hat to to our defenders because I think in in games gone by we've we've not been as solid as that. Um, and I thought we just looked a lot a lot more composed, even with the ball at the feet of the likes of O'Connell and Innes at the back. We I felt less nervous than I have done before. Um, you know, sometimes we are always prone to a. A, you know, a dodgy back pass. We maybe put ourselves under a little bit too much pressure, but I didn't. I didn't really feel as nervous Tuesday when we were playing around like that at the back. Um, so yeah, for, I mean that's a big thing because we spoke about this. You know, a few weeks ago, off the back of a few defeats, the, the defense was hot topic. You know, the performance of that back line was was a real, you know, a real concern. So for us now to be coming on, you know, a few weeks later and be talking about how much improvement there's been. You know, we had the clean sheet Saturday. And a performance we're all saying was was good on Tuesday. That, that's two good performances in a row for a defence that were really struggling at a point. So that's that's a real a real positive turnaround at the moment for us. And yeah, I was really happy with their performance on Tuesday. Yeah, certainly. Like I said, we did get a bit of luck with the 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 shot that came back off the crossbar. It, it, again, in real time, to me, it looked like it bounced just on the line. But actually, looking back, it bounced a few yards out. But still, uh, heart was in mouth there um, until it was an EK time, and then we all knew what was coming next. Uh, even Exeter knew what was coming next, but uh, there's nothing you can do about it. It's, and again, actually, a bit of luck involved in the goal. You know, Dobson's shot uh, rebounded into his path, and then Ek just pokes it goalwards. It goes through the keeper, comes off the post, and rolls over the line. But uh, if, if there's someone in need of a bit of a break, what about the man who, who's suffered dreadful luck with injuries? You know, like I can understand the frustration uh, that we've signed a player on a three-year deal or three and a half-year deal who has such an injury record, and, and you can argue whether that's a good idea from a club point of view. But from a, from a player point of view, when he's on the pitch, I bloody love Chuck Sanike and I was delighted when he scored that goal, Tom. Yeah, as was I. And I think going on from your player point of view, you know, he's offered a contract on a, whatever salary he's on and for that period of time, he's under no obligation to say, well, do you know what? I'm a bit injury prone. So are you sure you want me to, to do that? He's, of course, within his rights to sign it. So... The blame doesn't lie with him. I'm sure he's not getting injured on purpose. So I get the frustration too, particularly when we're hearing all these things about cost cutting and we weren't able to get a striker in and part of that was down to finances, etc. But fact of the matter is when he's on the pitch at this level, he's a very, very, very good player. And 
we just need to find a way of getting him on the pitch more. And and that's basically it, because as you say, he was on the field for, what, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and he was not only a handful, but, but scored as well and, and was just heavily involved in the time he was on the pitch. So it was brilliant to have him back. Um, there's always that concern, even just when he's on the pitch, that something's going to happen because of what's happened in the past. But the longer and, and more games that he plays for us, the di- bigger difference he can make, I think. And I would like to think that if, and of course it's hypothetical, he was to stay fit for the entire season, the difference in the amount of goals we would score and the amount of wins we would get would be would be huge. So, yeah, delighted to have him back, delighted for him to get on the score sheet and now it's just a case, hopefully, of keeping him fit and, and keeping him involved in that side because he makes a hell of a difference and no one really knows how to handle him. Yeah, and I'm not sure many people would have had a Jack Payne towering header uh, on the uh, to-do list for the evening, but that that was a that was a stunning piece of uh, of attacking there. It was it was great. Was it Blackett Taylor who'd come on and I thought did did quite well, um, and, and then a stunning header from uh, from from Payne as well, just to round things off at a dodgy penalty at the ends. But you know, we, we we've needed a lift. All of us, the club, the manager, the owner, everyone needed a, a you know a four goal haul, something like that. And that's what we got on Tuesday. We can we, we will come on to off the field stuff next because it's still rumbling on, but. You know, we go to football to be entertained and to see lots of goals, and it's about time we we, we got it. And and you know, what better way to end it with what I thought was up there as one of the goals of the evening because it is a glorious cross and, and, and a brilliant header from Jack Payne, Lewis. Yeah, really pleased to see it. You know, I've I've liked Jack Payne when he's come on into games. I think he's got he's got something to give in that team. He, he works hard. He's dangerous. He's got a good delivery. Um, obviously got a decent uh, little finish up at Barnsley um, after the game was gone, but you know, decent goal. Um, and then yeah, to get to get the header. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like when when Aaron Osuma used to play against us. He seemed to score headers against us all the time. <laughs> and I don't know who's I don't know who's taller out of uh, um, of Osuma and, and Jack Payne, but they've got to be fairly similar. Um, but yeah, and it was great to see a good delivery from Corey because again, something we've spoken about is maybe his lack of end product. He obviously came on Saturday and and didn't show you know a reaction, the reaction that Garner maybe wanted from him being dropped um, after the Barnsley game. Um, so yeah, for him to come on and and play quite well and get a good delivery and get an assist, I was yeah really happy for him and yeah happy for Payno as well. Yeah, Payne's got two inches on Ozuma. Uh, don't ask me how I know. That's height. That's height, by the way. Just in case anyone's getting if, if just Nathan to, was here, just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify. Yeah, no, I, I, I've given it a Google. Um, yeah, two inches, two inches. That's why they call him two inch Payne. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so the. Uh, uh, the final whistle, uh, chorus of celebration as we uh, we finally put to an end then that uh, winless run after the game. Uh, the gaffer, uh, Ben Garner, came to speak to me and I asked him how much of a relief it was uh, to finally get that monkey off his back. Yeah, long, long time coming. Um, yeah, huge credit to the players because it's, um, I'd say it's a bit, you know, sounds silly saying it's been a difficult run because, you know, we're not losing games on the bounce or anything like that. We've been pretty much difficult to beat, but... Um, we just haven't picked up as many wins as we would like, so um, really pleasing to get that one tonight. Uh, I thought the players showed a little bit of everything tonight, if I'm honest. I thought some great bravery and, uh, and some really good attacking play, some wonderful goals, um, but good defensive resilience. And you know, apart from the one, the goal first half, and then the official obviously got bored at the end and wanted a bit of excitement to give the penalty that was never a penalty. 
Um, but other than that, I thought defensively very good again, and um, yeah, a, a pleasing three points, and we can we can hopefully build on that now. And clinical as well, something perhaps you hadn't yeah. been over the last few weeks. Yeah, and uh, we've been saying it for a couple of weeks. Uh, a little bit of fortune as well, you know. We get the the one in the first half that uh, I don't know if it was Jaden flicked and it deflected, or it went or it went straight in off the defender, and then uh, you know chucks in off the post. Those things haven't been going for us. They've been hitting the post and coming out. So. Um, but we got there, we created good opportunities, um, impact of the subs, very, very good, really positive, uh, a good all-round group performance. And you've been, been waiting for Chucks to come back and he announced yeah. his return in familiar fashion for Charlton fans. He scored a lot off the bench over the last few years. Yeah, you know, you can see what we've been missing and we were just talking about in there as a staff, I think, you know, we'd probably be six to eight points better off if he'd, if he'd been available because coming on for 15, 20 minutes and doing what he's just done, um, would make a huge difference. So, um, yeah, really pleased to, to have him back. You know, you've seen what quality he, he gives us. Um, also, Corey Blackett-Taylor, Payne coming on, Albie Morgan, all of them. Sean Clare, brilliant today. They all picked up the pace of the game so well, gave us energy, gave us quality. Um, and I've said from day one, that's what we need to be successful. We need a strong group. Does it come as a bit of a weight off the shoulders of the players who, who probably would have been frustrated with the recent run? Yeah, they're frustrated, but I don't think uh, the show. I think if you look at some of the football we we play tonight, when you know apparently we're under pressure, uh, we haven't had a win in a little while. You know, imagine what they can do if we get three or four on the bounce and really get a run going. You know, the the bravery and the courage to play second half at two one up. You know, under pressure, and a lot of teams would just boot it, and we passed our way out and, and played through the pitch. Um, yeah, I can't give them enough credit tonight. I thought they were excellent. At one sour note, Miles going off. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about that? He just rolled his ankle. It's being assessed as we speak. Um, hopefully nothing serious because, you know, excellent tonight. Brilliant. He's, uh, he's coming on leaps and bounds. He really is. So we're um, very much fingers crossed for, for good news with that. Um, you know, he's still a, a, young, a young man. Um, we can't get too carried away, but he's developing really nicely. Yeah, it seems to have progressed even further from the very start of the season when he first yeah. came in. Yeah, I, the thing that impressed me from day one, even the first week of pre-season, I remember clearly um, on the training, you know, on the training ground working with him away in Spain, and everything that was going in was staying in. And I thought, you know, this this lad's going to come on leaps and bounds because he's he's a sponge. He wants to learn. He wants to improve. Uh, combine that with a, the ability and physical profile he's got. Uh, you know, wonderful return for him so far this season. Um, but we've got to uh, keep doing right by him and keep developing him in the right way. Um, but yeah, he's, he's done fantastically well, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's a lot of proud people around. I'm, I think Jaden probably himself would say he had a fairly frustrating start to the season. So happy to be on the score sheet the other day. Happy to try and claim one today. Yeah, I hope he gets it. Uh, Duke seems in the in the right place. I thought his hold up play was was brilliant today. Um, and also his understanding about the ball for him and Miles and then him and Albie um, did really well and uh, we, we nullified them with the ball uh, at a spell at the end of the first half where I think it was more we stopped attacking we stopped playing a little bit and uh, gave them a little bit of momentum but second half I thought we dealt with it really really well and uh, uh, as they created good opportunities scored good goals and, and possibly could have one or two more as well It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierces there. Bowers there. And it's John. Yes! 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 Oh, he scores! Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Dreamland! Charlotte has scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be here! Here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live! Welcome back to Charlton Live. This is uh, sort of the big match preview. It feels funny calling that for a game that's uh, still so far away. But it's uh, Louis Mendes, Lewis Cat, and Tom Wallen looking back at that win uh, over Exeter uh, on Tuesday and ahead to Monday evening's game uh, with Portsmouth at the Valley. We just heard there from the Gaffer Bengana. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's been an element of him trying to keep his um, his players protected from the noise and 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 maybe the negativity. I mean, he's, he 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 sort of said. In that interview, for a team that's supposedly under pressure, well, I mean, they were under pressure, Tom. They, they, they have to be under pressure if you if you've not won a game in in eight league games. That that, that so therefore, to, I mean, to put in a, a four goal performance is is impressive under that under that spell. But you know, it, I, I think he'd be kidding himself if he if he thought they weren't under pressure. And I, I do imagine that was more about you know he felt like they haven't lost too many games, which they haven't. But a Charlton team in League One should be winning games rather than drawing them. So. Uh, maybe there was an element of of just trying to protect his side there and hoping that performances like Tuesday become the norm rather than the exception. Totally, yeah, which, as I say, going back to the the Plymouth game, is something we've spoken about pretty much all season. I think it's not just protecting them, but also I think he probably deep down feels like, whether he's right or wrong or not, I think he feels like we've deserved more from a lot of the games as well. So he's probably defending himself a little bit and saying, look, People are making out like we're really bad. Well, actually, you know, again, this is slightly hypothetical, but he's probably thinking, you know, if we'd have scored one more goal in in three of those games, we'd suddenly have X amount extra points. And I think, you know, I think him coming in, I liked it in the summer. I thought it was an interesting move um, and I I wanted to see how it unfolded. I think the, the playing style has certainly improved. I do think like we're getting there. I feel like he's been a little bit hamstrung. Uh, generally by not being able to quite get enough of the players he wants in. But I think he's doing a, a, an okay job so far. Now, obviously, I think we should be further up the table as well. I'm not going to suggest that I'm happy with where we are. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what he's doing, really. He's protecting his players. If I know there was some talk from, from Rich around the the culture, around the training ground, and perhaps how people were acting or behaving. and And if he is starting to make a change there as well, then uh, maybe it is just a, a bit of a shake-up and, and things are starting to turn. So, yeah, I don't think Garner's coming out and saying he's pleased with the start of the season, but I think he's maybe just 
suggesting it's maybe not as bad as other people have made out. I mean, Tom mentioned the playoffs earlier on then, Lewis. So I, I, I did the maths after after Saturday's draw. Um, just, just because I, I sort of wonder where we are in, in terms of what, what we potentially would need to go on and get. Now, you know, I, I also made a, a projected graph on our current points per game before and after the game. And it, it, cha- it changes quite a lot based on one win. You know, I don't think you can look at your, your current projected points per game because you assume that we're going to win more games between now and the end of the season. And, you know, I, I can't see us going eight games without a win that often this season because I, I, I don't think we're that bad I think I think we're better than that is whether we're good enough to be the sort of team now that would so so where we where we were before um before the game against Exeter now of course this win against Exeter would have given us three points from that one game so whereas before we needed 1.82 points per game to hit one average has been the playoff uh, sort of uh, level that you need over the last few years. The last five years, you need to get 74.8 points to finish in the top six. Um, so for us to get that 1.82, I mean, there's only two, only four teams that did that over the last 34 games of last season. As I've really, I've really put my, put the maths to it. Um, so whereas we're now within four points of the playoffs, I mean, we have to point out that we've played two games more than quite a few teams around us, one game more than quite a few teams around us. Similar, also played 13 games, the same as, uh, well, all of the top four, uh, which doesn't help really, because really we're looking at catching the, the sixth and seventh uh, and, and fifth for those sort of teams, like Portsmouth, who've only played 11. So that that, that gap, will ex- you'd expect that to widen again before, you know, once we get to the same amount of games. So it's a... Only concentrating on ourselves. It's about hitting that level consistently for the rest of the season. Now, 1.82 points per game over the course of the rest of the season is a big ask. And that's where you sit down and you have to ask yourselves, are we a team that's as good of, as the the Wigan and Rotherham teams in the second, like in, in the entirety of last season? But in their last 34 games last season, they got 1.97 points per game. Sheffield Wednesday, who ended up in the playoffs, got 1.94. And then that Milton Keynes team, who ended last season so strongly uh, before losing out in the playoffs, they actually averaged over two points a game in the final 34 games of last season. So to hit that sort of level, we'd have to be as good as those four teams were in the same spell last season. And, and I feel like there's a long way to go. So that's why I'm a bit negative on the whole playoff front at the moment. I think the table's ever so slightly skewed because we've played a couple more games than a lot of teams. And also, I just don't think we've got that consistency. Now, we do what we did on Tuesday more often, then obviously we we, we can try and prove me wrong. But that's why I'm a little bit, mm, I think we're heading for a mid-table again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously still fairly early. um, But I agree, When, when you look at it, obviously at the moment we're sitting... We jumped, what, seven places Tuesday night with that win. So to be, yeah, now four points off the playoffs, you know, it was all sort of doom and gloom Saturday when we were looking at the table. Now now we're four points off the top six, but it is fairly um, fairly skewed, if you like, because there are those teams with the games in hand. But, you know, games in hand isn't always points on the board. I know, I know the majority of the league have probably got more games to play than us because of, you know, I think a few had pizza trophy games when we had the league game and, and a few have had international breaks and things like that. Um but you know you can only win only win the games that you've played, and, and I, it's not always necessarily points on the board. I think we found that out before when we've had loads of games in hand and we've never won any of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I I think obviously the target really it should always be the top six. I should always be your um, should be the target in this division for us. But I think an eight game 
winless run you know eight games is a lot that's a lot of points and i know we didn't lose all of those games and we drew a lot of them but to to drop you know those points uh, i don't know how many points we did drop over that spell um off the top of my head but eight games is a lot you know it's a lot of games to just uh to go without picking up a win so although it feels like you know we are in with a bit of a shot of, of getting there i think you have to be you know you have to be optimistic and to some extent but you also have to be realistic and i think mid mid table is probably where we expected to be uh on on this run but there's no reason why we can't be you know we can't be looking at the top six and trying to catch it because teams have done it before you know i look look at the oxford team from a few years ago that were that were right down near the bottom and they they you know tipped us to the playoffs right at the last at the last hurdle um so you never know what can happen in this division but the the realistic um the realistic head on me would probably say mid table lower lower top half is probably where i'd expect us to finish come may mm, yeah right we've got a couple of tweets in uh, fred says that some fans compared this season uh, to last season's start under nigel atkins i'm fairly certain we lost more games last season uh, whereas this season we've got more draws which will make uh, the difference uh, less ground to make up in the playoff race yeah without having the stats uh, right in front of me i think from memory i think we'd lost about seven or eight of of the first 13 games uh, under Nigel Atkins so we've only lost what three or four so we're, we're three or four points better off at this point uh, of the season than we were last year um, so because obviously we're unbeaten at home and we've only lost three away so we, we are in a better place um, you know I, I don't think the performances I mean, there's been some there's been some shocking halves and some poor performances but I don't think overall we've been anywhere near as um, disjointed as we were under Nigel Atkins but it's, there's still elements of the game even even I picked up start of the season you know for for all the all the good play we were putting together in some of the spells at the start of the season we weren't scoring enough goals other than that that game against uh, Plymouth we, we had the, the two against Accrington and the five against Plymouth but there were there were games where we dominated without making enough of it uh, like the Sheffield Wednesday away game and, and there were more that followed after that that made me think well that there are parts of this team that still aren't where they need to be uh, even if they are better than that Nigel Atkins team as well so that, yeah it is, it is different <coughs> excuse me it is a different um, sort of kettle of fish this year to last year but it's whether it's enough and, and whether where we are sitting now in the table is anywhere near enough to to be Charlton in League One, and I think we know realistically it's not. Charlton Exile says, confession, uh, I was living on Tuesday when Ben Garner made his subs ridiculous. I said, worst subs ever, I said. Two of them scored and at least one assist followed. Moral of the story, uh, don't listen to a word I say. The, the other thing, actually, that's worth pointing out is Chooks and EK's flick in the build-up to, I think, Payne's fourth, the, the fourth goal. He flicks it into the path of Blackett-Taylor. It almost gets uh, lost in the wash because a, a midget scored a great header, uh, which is quite exciting to see. And it was a great cross as well from, from Blackett-Taylor. But actually, the, the flick from Anike, make sure you go back and watch that. It was absolutely uh, superb. And, and, and again, just uh, serves to show why he's such a good player for us when we can uh, get him on the pitch. Let's hear from him now. Here is Chucks Anike after that win against Exeter during the week. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, you know, I've been out for a few months now. So it's just good to um, you know, come back and, you know, replay my teammates, replay the fans, you know. Um, this is what my job is and, you know, I've done it today. How frustrating has it been over the start of this season? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, you know, I was nearly back and then get to re-injure myself again. So, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long journey. But I'm not even looking at that no more. I was trying to go forward and, um, you know, ready to help the boys and, you know, turn, I said that before, like turn those draws into wins. Yeah. How are you feeling in yourself after your cameo today? Yeah, a bit... Um, yeah, it was good. You know, I said, um, positive. Take the positives. You know, um, you know, we we won the game, and uh, a bit, a bit, a bit uh, frustrated about the penny. I don't think of the penny. Well, I don't think I've done anything. But, um, but yeah, no, you take the positives from the game, and we won. 
Yeah, and, and you feel like you're going to have to sort of ease yourself back in though. So for the next few weeks, shorter, shorter appearances in games like today. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I don't know the plan or whatever. I just, you know, I'm going to go out there and just try and do what I do. So you know, um, yeah, bring on the next game and you know, as a team, go out there and try and win the game. How frustrating has it been watching on all these draws, knowing that five minutes on the pitch and you probably do that? Yeah, and as I said, frustrating. Obviously, um, you know, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm not playing, when I'm not fit, I can't do anything about it. So, yeah, definitely frustrating. But, um, you know, like I said, we've got, um, we've got a good nucleus here. We've got something good here. And like I say, we've got to turn them draws into wins, which you've done today, so it's the line. Yeah, how's Ben been with you since he's come into the club as well? Yeah, really good, obviously. Uh, like I said, I've uh, been injured, so... But just been, uh, you know, everything's been positive. And um, I like to feel like a, you know, like a, um, we paid the faith that um, he, that he had, they had uh, in waiting for me to get back. So just fine. And we saw the reception you got just when you came on from the fans. Yeah. They've obviously missed you as well. Yeah. How good does it be out playing in front of them again? Yeah, definitely, man. It was beautiful, man. It was definitely beautiful. I was warming up on the side. I got a nice reception as well. So you know, um, it's one of the amazing things about being a footballer. You know, uh, the interaction for the fans. So um, yeah, definitely delighted. And you know, I'm just. Uh, uh, hopeful and positive for, for, for the next couple of games and try and do the same thing again. Right, we've still got another email to come to in a minute about the academy budget, which has obviously been a big talking point. But I just want to hear uh, from Heidi Logan from the women's team. Uh, midfielder we signed uh, after leaving Lewis uh, in the summer. Started her career uh, with Birmingham, as you'll notice uh, from the accent. Uh, but it's, uh, she's just going to tell us a little bit how, how she's found life uh, at the Addicts so far. Um, yeah, I found it really good, settled in good, but... It's only four games in, so we can't look too deep into it. But I think we're doing well as a team and building well. And relationships are getting better on the pitch. So it's only positives that can come from it, really. And obviously, looking on a personal note, you've just enrolled into University of Greenwich, starting your second year. Talk us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I think uni is important to do, as well as football, because anything can happen in football. And when I did my ACL injury for my knee, that taught me that, that you have to have a backup plan. So I think continuing my uni, I've moved from uni of Brighton and I think that, yeah, continuing this, it's important because I want to get the degree in the end. And with it being round the corner, it's really easy to go. So today, straight after football, I can go straight to uni and make the lecture, whereas at other unis, they haven't made this possible. So I think that it's really good. And how have you, as a footballer, what is it kind of like juggling being a professional footballer, as you are a full-time professional, and also getting a degree? Um, it's tough, not going to lie, but if you have good time management, then you can get through it and stuff. And if you just keep on top of everything, then it's manageable. Like, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't. As long as I can put football first and then do uni second, that's all that matters. And what is your degree in? Uh, sport and exercise science. And that is, is that the kind of thing that like you're looking to go into after you, you finish um, football? Like, is that kind of the avenue you're looking to expose? Um, not going to lie, I don't really know. I want to go into something to do with sport, yeah, but... I think having a degree that covers a wide range of sub- subjects like sport and exercise, exercise science does, I think this is important because you can go into like so many different things to do with that. It's not just specifically nutrition or specifically S&C. It's like whatever you want to do, you can kind of go to that path. And obviously there's, you're not just the only one on the team that um, goes to uni. There's a few of you. Like, do you, the people that have got degrees or have been studying, do you kind of like all rally together and like share your experiences? Um, yeah, like we talk about uni and stuff, but we've only just started this year again. But we'll probably go like meet up and do work together just because it's easier when you do it with people rather than being bored on your own. Those relationships on the pitch and also in the study room as well. Yeah, basically. There we go. That's Heidi um, doing well juggling 
Cholton uh, with uh, University. The girls at home to Blackburn this Sunday, uh, back at the Oakwood. Originally, that game was going to be the Valley. Is at the Oakwood again now. Uh, midday kickoff uh, down there in Crayford. So make sure you get down there to support the girls. You've started really well. Karen Hill is manager of the month in the uh, Women's Championship uh, after the first month of the season in which the Addicts have won three uh, out of their four games. Right. We've got an email. Uh, this is from uh, Muxi. It says, love the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, seen a lot about our academy budget being cut. Obviously quite concerning as we're all so proud of our academy uh, and the talent we have produced. But can I just raise something? Maybe the reason we have one of the best academies in England, eighth according to some measures, is because we spend around the same as those other teams. Uh, what are the chances that we'd be, we will be able to do it with much less money? How can we realistically say we should be spending as much as Premier League teams uh, uh, with our academy being in League One? Four. So I mean... We, we, I'd be shocked if we were spending as much as Premier League teams. I don't think that's necessarily the reason we were so successful. You know, you've got to look at the individuals involved in 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 the academy and and say they've done an excellent job. Um, but you know, Thomas did admit to Richard uh, this week on on the SLP about about you know that rumour started going round about the. Uh, 140 grand budget cut. I mean, he didn't admit to the specific amount, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's less. Of course, it could could well be more, and and it could uh, also be or like the spe- getting into the specifics of the amount. It's probably not as important as getting into the fact that the academy budget's being slashed, and there are people that are upset within the academy setup about that, which is obviously quite important because you don't want to for start. You don't want to upset the, the talent of the future. Uh, you don't want to be doing that. But obviously, we we know there's cost-cutting because Thomas Sangars admitted it around the club and we know that includes the academy, Tom. Um, and, and I fear that will be a bit of a false economy because if we don't sort of train up those young players and turn them into assets, which is a sad way of looking at it, but that is part of what we do, then you know we, we're going to lose more money in the long run. Totally agree. Yeah, I think uh, apart from short-term cost cutting I don't see how this benefits the club at all um, I don't particularly see again apart from short term cost cutting how how it benefits Thomas um, as I say short term yes maybe financially but long term as you say in terms of what the academy can give us uh, and in terms of, of what his intentions initially for the academy were obviously a, a big departure Um bringing those players through. We've got one, two, three of them in our current side already. Um, and you see the difference they're making as well. Uh, and, and also, and this may be low down on his priority list, but the bloke who came out with his guitar in front of an almost full valley against Sheffield Wednesday last season is now at risk of alienating himself from fans altogether. Because again, whether this is high on his priority list or not, and I suspect it's quite high because I think he likes to be liked fans value the academy and let's not forget fans like myself and plenty of others who put into valley gold expect that money to go into the academy and make a difference and it's all just lending itself to the the atmosphere around the off the pitch stuff that you briefly mentioned earlier and that we've talked about a lot on the podcast that things just don't seem quite as they are the cost cutting of course on paper makes sense to an extent but the way it's being handled the the people that are being let go, the reasons that they're being given, the the decisions that are being made are cold. They they must be calculated, but they're very cold for for a club that has, or for a fan base that has saved the club on previous occasions, and for a club that ever since I have known about us has been known as a family club and a 
a friendly club and a place that is welcoming. These feel like very cold moves, business moves, and it doesn't sit well with me as a fan. Um, and yeah, it's very difficult to guess and, and, and know what the motives are, really. And you read that stuff that, that he said to Rich, and obviously he said, look, uh, Anthony Hayes and, and others at this kind of senior end of the academy have been asked to, to budget cut. And I read it, and I don't feel like th that's the case, that, that actually this is all my opinion, of course, but it feels like, well, that's what you're saying, but is that actually what's happening, or are you putting these these cost cuts on them and, and obviously you don't know and I, you want to take it at face value but it's all just a bit uncomfortable uh, and that's a shame because it's ultimately just, like any of us you want to go down to the valley and watch football and enjoy it and that's it mm. but this Taking is all things just an at undertone. face value has become quite difficult recently. exactly exactly yeah. and talking about Lewis, Lewis, what, um, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the trust have uh, said they'd like to I mean, I mean, you've been asked to take some things at face value recently, which I, I think you should be able to do, but ne necessarily feel like you can do at times. We all have. Uh, I mean, the, the trust have, have asked for a meeting with Thomas. I mean, it's, it's important that goes ahead. Really important because I know, I know you, yourself and Lucy are the fan advisors, but also the trust have got a big backing behind them and, and have, a, a, you know, the same as yourselves. They have a lot of good questions to ask Thomas. And I think it's important that he does engage with you know, as as well as club appointed fan advisors, the, the the wider fan community as well, and and the trust is a good sort of spearhead for that sort of thing as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think um, obviously I've seen that the trust have gone out to to Thomas uh, to arrange a meeting. Um, I, I was made aware by by Thomas of it as well, and and I've I've seen the email and everything. So yeah, I think you know it's something that needs to be set up. Um, very soon it's something that Lucy and I are trying to set up at the moment with Thomas so I'm sure that will get that will be done you know imminently because there are a lot of questions that do need answering um, the academy one obviously for me is a topic uh, Tom's covered it you know perfectly really but is, mm -hmm. is, a, is a topic that needs to be raised immediately because that doesn't yeah. just affect the fans it affects um, you know young players and parents and people like that that have, that have instilled you know their their children into that Charlton Athletic Academy, which has for years produced incredible talent. So, you know, and, and there's a lot it, of I questions it, to be asked. It is important as well that, that there is a trust and, and a level of honesty as well from the owner. Definitely, it, I think it's something that that goes a long way at this football club because and of the amount of times possibly needs to be repaired at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think I think some reassurance is needed definitely because trust goes a long way at this football club because of the way we've had our hands burnt before with the likes of ESI and, and Roland and, and Katrine and you don't want Thomas to become another chapter in that in that book so I think there's work to be done um, obviously the fan advisor role I'm, I'm realising at the moment is is involving a lot of that at the moment um, which is very stressful um, but you know I, I like I say a lot of the answers really for me need to come directly from the owner all i can do is send send stuff from fans over and, and feedback the responses but at a point some you know the owner needs to come out and and face the music on things like that with with the trust himself because i think that 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 communication between the trust and the owner directly has always you know that that's something as you say they've got a great backing the supporters trust and their voices are very important and need to be heard mm, yeah and there's obviously as well as the trust there's loads of other voices out there that um yeah, again, the the owner will find himself answerable to the entire the entire fan base. So it's not just the trust; it's not just the fans base. There's supporters groups. There's 
you know that, that there's plenty of people that, that that should be spoken to or or, or in some way you know, the people who attend the fans forum there's plenty of voices out there uh that, that, that thomas i think will feel we should interact with because you know I, I think there's relationships that need repairing now especially with this this clear clear change in direction at the club which has got a lot of people concerned and you know as mentioned already the academy a big part of that um a big part of what has been good about the club even in our darkest days and and you fear that if that is is cut then then, then things could only get worse as i said at the very least a false economy um you know but again there's a lot of goodwill between the fans and the academy and as tom mentioned the valley gold part of that as well you know you you, you can't disintegrate all this goodwill with the fans because it's only going to go uh, one way right let's look ahead to portsmouth then um by the time this you've listened to this podcast again still probably about three weeks away but um uh we've got a quick tweet in from alan says i know you won't believe us but the reds are staying up uh, what difference uh, in three days on the front foot performance against exeter reminded me of the old Charlton under curbs a uh, 4-4-2 on the attack chooks is back uh, that's like a new signing really gives us hope if he can stay fit uh the season might not be over uh, in october well the stats don't give us as much hope alan but you know let's uh, let, we're football fans let's start to dream uh, let's hear from ben garner then ahead of this uh, this game with portsmouth uh, I asked him to uh, to look into his crystal ball and predict what might happen in the game in, in, in about a month's time uh, on the Monday evening kickoff. I did ask him if he was frustrated he had to wait so long uh, to try and build upon that momentum uh, from the win against Exeter. It is what it is. Uh, we, we've, we've, we've mapped out what we're doing so the players will have a, will have a little rest now and then we're building to, into Portsmouth on, on Monday night. I'm looking forward to a um, team that have started the season really well on Sky here at the Valley. Uh, atmosphere tonight, brilliant. Fans were, were terrific, and uh, you know because we haven't won in a while, and it could have turned sour, and uh, there might have been a bit of negativity at the start of the game, but there wasn't. They were fully behind the players. Um, I really appreciate that. I think it shows the class of our of our fans here, and uh, and we're unbeaten. You know we're unbeaten at home, and uh, it's three wins, three draws in the league, and a, and a couple of cup wins here as well. So we want to keep that home form going as long as we can. Uh, I think the longer we can be unbeaten here, it becomes uh, a real strength to us with teams coming here. There we go, big band Ben Garner looking ahead to the game with uh, Pompey coming up to uh, Monday. Oh, I always enjoy our away games against Portsmouth because we win every time I go there. We've literally won, was it eight of the last nine down there, Tom? At home, it's not always the same against Portsmouth and they're, they're a good side this year. It looks like they've... Um, They've they've recruited well, um, you know the the, the strikers that we spoke about. Perhaps that they've got that we haven't. They, they've had a little, a tiny bit of a wobble. Three games without a win in the league, couple of draws, um, including at home against the league leaders Plymouth, and then away against one of the league favourites Ipswich. Uh, then a home draw against Fleetwood, which obviously is less than ideal. But before that, they're on a, a winning run of six in a row. Um, you know we've we, we've spoken about the likes of Colby Bishop great striker at this level who they signed uh, I think they picked up Joe Piggott as well didn't they in the summer so there's some there's some players there that, that can cause us some some problems so we will have to be bang on it against the side that will be amongst the favourites to go up this year Yeah I feel like I've spent a lot of today just basically repeating everything you've said because I was going to say the same thing about the the home and away games certainly it seems like they always beat us at our place and we always beat them at theirs and then you factor in the old sky curse, which has, seems to have got a little bit better in recent seasons. But look, yeah, the the reality is it is going to be a tough game. And as you say, they are on a little bit of a tougher run, but they've played some tough teams. So they're up there for a reason. Um, they're still in the top six, and that's probably about where they'd expect to be. Uh, and as you say, their their team is littered with, with good players. Um, and, and they're now starting to kind of settle into 
the the current kind of management squad that they've now had for a couple of years as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. We do have that momentum from from Tuesday. Our home record, as I think Ben said himself, is pretty good. Um, and if we can start on the front foot and take it to them, then it could be a very exciting game. Um, I'm under no illusions that I'm sure they will be coming here as possible favourites and certainly thinking that they can get something from the game. But um, it's one of those games where, you know what Charlton are like. Sometimes under the lights at the Valley, we, we turn up as we did on Tuesday and then you go away to, to somebody down near the bottom or Forest Green come to town and we can't seem to break them down. So... Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if we lost 3-0. I wouldn't be surprised if we won 3-0. It's one of those games that is just very, very difficult to call. But I do expect an exciting game between, on paper, two very good sides. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could. I mean, if we win 3-0, that would be a, an excellent result. It, it could be a case of after the Lord Mayor show, you know, a good Portsmouth side who we, we do struggle against at home uh, recently. We got a draw last season, but I think the season before they uh, the biggest three one maybe, and, and they've, they've had a couple of good results at our place. Uh, last time I can remember beating them was that uh, that one where Lyle Taylor scored in our promotion season. Um, so um, for us, we, we we need to build momentum. We, we need to we need to take something of it. It is a shame it's it's a few days later than, than perhaps it could have been after that win against Exeter, and you know we've got the potential problem of a miles in uh, a miles Leeburn injury that, that could hamper us, but. For us, I mean, if we are to to do the the remarkable and the almost impossible this season and really catch up with that top six, then the, you know, a win against a Portsmouth side, Lewis, could be a massive a massive morale boost at a club where, you know, I think I think we need one. I think I think we're a bit down in the doldrums even after that win against um against Exeter with all the off field stuff, you know, with that difficult difficult run that the players themselves, you know, would would have been affected by. Whether they, uh, you know, whether Ben felt it or not, you know, if we can win this game, if we can beat Portsmouth, then who knows? May, 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 maybe, maybe we might just be on the right track again. Yeah, it'd do a world of good for the confidence, wouldn't it, to get back-to-back home victories against two teams in the top ten? You know, two teams that have started this season very well. Uh, Portsmouth, especially, you know, being tipped for promotion and, and having a strong start. Uh, and coming to our place you know I think especially at being at home those back-to-back wins at home it, it gives everybody a lift and then you know we go into another couple of tough games in uh, in October with, with Shrews and, and then MK Dons at home again and you know they're all they're all big games for me like between now and the end of October um, there's some tough fixtures there and we need to be looking at where we're picking up the point so to get the win on Tuesday obviously we'll lift the confidence we've got to try and be consistent now um, try and string a decent performance together against a strong Portsmouth side. Obviously, being on Sky seems to be a bit of an omen for us, so hopefully we don't have to deal with that. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think why not? Why not? Why can't we come off the back of that performance on Tuesday and get a win against a strong Portsmouth side and kick, re-kick-start this season, you know? Why can't we? We didn't think we could. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be going, would we? So, you know, fing, fingers crossed that this can be the start of a bit of a run for us and we can try and sort of climb our way up the table. There we go. One win and we're and we're back on the uh, on 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 the horse. You know we're feeling we're feeling reasonably positive after one win. But that's that's football fans for you, uh, and that's what we are here on Charlton Life. Right, we've uh, run out of uh, time on this week's 
uh, sort of big match preview, big match review, whatever you want to call it, with the game so far away. Looking back at that, that, that decent win against Exeter uh, and ahead to the Portsmouth game. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks to those of you uh, who got involved uh, with the show. So we won't be on on Sunday because of the, the fact that we're not playing until Monday night. Uh, so the next show will be this time next week, next Thursday, uh, where we'll look back at the Portsmouth game and ahead to the trip to Shrewsbury, which I think follows that one. So uh, we shall see you again then. Thank you to uh, Lewis and Tom. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Cheers guys. Mate. Good to speak to the pair of you. I'm Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you again next Thursday. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 